You're listening to PlayStation Unchained. Welcome, fans and viewers, to a special Halloween episode of the PlayStation Undead Podcast. That's right, it's our Halloween <laughs> special this year. I'm your host with the most, as always, Dane Smith, the Japan editor for the site, and with me is the muscles from Brussels, Mike Herodence, <laughs> our UK executive editor. Uh, how are you doing today, Mike? Oh, I'm undead and loving it, Dane. Undead and loving it. <laughs> Partying like it's 1999. Hell yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could say I'm even more in the mood for Halloween by dressing up, but I'm just in my plain clothes. But every year I say I'm going to do something for Halloween, and I never do, so I really, really want to change that sometime. Now, do you have Halloween in the UK for all the uh, the people who don't know about how things work in Europe? Uh, yes, I've been asked that a lot actually. Yeah, we do have Halloween, but it's definitely nowhere near as um, big as it is in America and I presume Canada. We, uh, I know you guys go to town over there and stuff, but we, um, we actually had some uh, American next door neighbours uh, back in when I lived in my, in my in my old house with my parents and stuff. This was like ten years ago, and they like had you know pumpkins and everything in decorations, and they went you know they really went to town on it. And they were like, what? They were like, you know, hey guys, why aren't you doing this? It's Halloween, you know? And it was like, oh yeah, we don't really go for, go that far. And I went, oh my god, come on guys, where's your pumpkins and everything? You know, trick or treat it. You gotta work on your American accent there, Mike. Yeah, I know, I apologize. Uh, but, uh, it's, do you guys do trick or treating? We do, well, do? I have, we do, um, there are kids who do trick or treating, but I've been living in this place for five years and I think we've only ever had about a handful. I mean, okay. I haven't had any of the last year at all, but then again, this is England, remember, so the weather's been crap, so. That is true. I know, yeah. But I know, it, yeah, in Korea, on, we never had any trick-or-treaters at all, but it's apartment <laughs> buildings everywhere, so it doesn't work as ah. well. Uh, so yeah, so today we are doing the special Halloween podcast, first <laughs> time ever. And, uh, so if you're listening to this, it's Halloween night, and I'm asking you, why are you listening to this now? You should be out trick-or-treating. <laughs> go get some trick or treating. Go, go to a party, then come back and listen to this. Play some Resident Evil as well. Play some Resident <laughs> Evil. Yes. So that's what we're going to start out with tonight. Uh, Resident Evil, which is probably the most famous uh, horror game uh, on the market. Uh, yeah. We were talking so. forever that we wanted to do a Resident Evil podcast, and this is perfect timing. Halloween, yeah. zombies, shooting things in the head. <laughs> what better time? Yeah. So, Mike, what is your favorite Resident Evil? Oh, why? wow. You know, if you had asked me that a few years ago, I um, probably wouldn't have been able to answer it. But I can definitely say now, and this is probably going to be in a minority here, but my favorite is the original Resident Evil on the PlayStation, if you can believe that. That's because not only is it my first Resident Evil game I've played, so I owe it to that as well. Nostalgia is a factor in it, but I had a long break from it a couple of years ago, and I went back to it again after about five years, I think, and I played it through, and this is after I played a lot of modern games and stuff, or what were modern at the time, and I just, you know, I was just playing you know, in the mansion and stuff early on, and I just put to myself, this is my favourite game, man, my favourite Resident Evil game. You know, when something just clicked there, and it's like you're not not blinded by... Rose tinted glasses or anything. I just love that game. It's the it might it's the quintessential survival horror game for me. They got in my opinion they get the, the scares right or you mm-hmm. know or, you know the horror aspects. They get the um 
ammunition conservation and all that kind of stuff, you know, the combat just balanced, right? There's not too much of it, um, but there's um, enough to keep you busy, and they get the puzzles right as well. I feel that even though the original Resident Evil trilogy, uh, on the PlayStation 1, 2, and 3, they're all fantastic games. I think some of them um, uh, some of them didn't have a balance right. Like number two, I think, um, that balanced more with action. And number three had a lot more survival horror in it, I think, in some respects, apart from the nemesis. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, obviously the puzzles, the puzzles were great in all of them, I think. But Resident Evil 2 did up the action ante a bit. And I think number one just created a great balance. I think that's, that's the game where I judge any other Resident Evil in terms of how to do a survival horror game. Um, it's just, like I said, I just think they got it spot on. And I know the acting is diabolical, but that's part of its charm, you know. Mm-hmm. Whoa, this hall is dangerous! Like good old <laughs> B-style acting. Probably. I wonder how they picked those people, is, is what I'm curious about. Yeah, they're, um, yeah, the, the unknown to, um, played Chris and Jill and everyone. Yeah, they don't even have surnames in the cast list. I think it's just like, oh, uh, I can't even remember. I think Barry's, Barry is played played by someone called Gregory or something. Yeah. <laughs> just someone called Gregory. But I, yeah. I found it funny that when I first played the game and they had the intro, the, the, the sweet intro of all the characters, that they mm. looked like their computer counterparts. So the guy yes, who played yeah. Wesker in real life looked like Wesker yeah. in the game. I thought that was really yeah. cool. Oh, dude, when I saw that, I first played it in 97, so I came on to, uh, I came on to the series like a year after it started, so that's not bad, actually. I'm a veteran of 16 years now. Um, I've, I've, I thought the live-action intro was the best thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> Seriously, oh, that's the first time I've ever seen proper voice acting in a game and stuff, if you can call it that. Obviously, when I was, I was 14 at the time, so I was thought, well, this is the best shit ever. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, when I was, you know, the, the, um, the cast intro, you know, ding, 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 Chris Redfield, ding, 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 Jill Valentine. <laughs> that was just the best shit ever. Me and my mates would act that out all the time in music class, just goofing around and everything. Oh yeah, but no, I agree. They did. Um, they played their part pretty good. I think. Um, I think there are rumours about um, uh, the guy who played Chris being a porn star, and the same for Rebecca. But <laughs> I have no idea if that was true or not. But you always hear that kind of stuff. That's well, actually, funny story about that. They said, uh, "Do you remember the Power Rangers?" Back yeah, in the day? Jason. Right. Yeah, the guy yeah. who played was it Jason or yeah, Jason the Red Ranger. Yeah, the Red yeah. Ranger. They, yeah, Austin yeah. St. John. They said that he was a gay porn star or something, and he's <laughs> yes. he's denied it forever. <laughs> uh, but it's just the rumor still stick for some reason. As yeah. just funny. <laughs> uh, I'll probably take a lot of hate for this myself, but my favorite Resident Evil is actually Operation Raccoon City. I'm gonna get. Oh my god! Are you serious? I'm serious. That is my favorite Resident Evil game. Oh wow! I never. Seriously, I don't know anyone who actually likes it. Never, never, um, let alone it being their favorite Resident Evil game. Please do tell. Yeah. Seriously. So now, <laughs> I think the story from Resident Evil One is is the best to me. Yeah. But in terms of gameplay and just general fun, uh, I thought that Operation Raccoon City was the best. Like I platinum that game. And I actually had fun platinum the game, platinum name being the, my bad English. Platinum in. (laughs) Yeah. But getting the platinum in the game, especially like I hate multiplayer. Like I'm not a multiplayer guy at all. Ditto man, ditto. But I just loved playing multiplayer on that game. I just couldn't get enough. It's like 96 Mm. multiplayer matches to get a trophy. I'm like, why can't it be 200 or 2000? I just kept (laughs) playing it and I actually played it to get good because I thought, that 
that game's multiplayer had the potential to be like an MLG type game because yeah. they had the mechanics right, they had the difficulty right, they had enough um, balance between the characters and their abilities that there was no like worthless character. Because uh, I know when I played it, I was always Lupo, Lupo because I like that like five second buff where you just won't die, nothing can hurt you. Uh-huh. But in multiplayer, it's about well who gets their character first, and then you're left with whoever's left. And so I'm like, okay, I'll be Lupo. Uh, Lupo's taken. So then I was someone else who I forget. And then whenever that uh, the one with the radar, and then whenever that uh-huh. person was taken, I'm like, well crap, who's left? They're all scrubs, is what I thought. But then I picked. Um, <laughs> The demolitions guy. And I thought, wow, this guy is really good. Because his mines don't kill your own guys. But uh-huh. if you put a mine in a bottom corner of a, of a wall, and someone runs across the wall, it just blows them up. They don't see it coming. <laughs> and so I got like really hardcore into like figuring out how to be like a team player and strategizing that game. I was like, this is, this is really sweet. So. Uh, I'm gonna take a lot of heat. I know commenters on the on the Twitter, so Twitter followers comment, right? Agree with my opinion, <laughs> disagree with my opinion, or our opinions on it. But uh, comment, please comment. What is your favorite Resident Evil podcast? What is the what's our Twitter at PSU <laughs> dot at PSU? What's our Twitter, Mike? Um. Yeah, at PSU, yeah, or place at um, PSU.com. At PSU.com. Is our Twitter? I think so. <laughs> okay, I don't actually use Twitter at all, guys, so I'm not your Twitter guy. So just go, if, if I were you, I'd just email us, email us, email us at podcast, at po- PSU, at podcast at PSU.com. There we oh, go. Actually, yeah, <laughs> our, our Twitter is <laughs> at PSU.com, D-O-T. Com, yeah, so. uh, I knew it was. Okay, yeah. so yeah, send us your comments about it uh, on either by the email or by the Twitter. We love to hear from you. So, yes, do you? Gr- and dang, dang, sorry. Yeah. I have to say, I will say one thing. I do love. I haven't played Operation Raccoon City, but I immediately when it when it was announced, I immediately checked it out. You know, followed the news and stuff because of where it's set. I mean, it's set in Raccoon City yeah. and Leon's in it and everything. And it's set all around Resident Evil Two. So that's an instant like, wow, this is interesting for me. Because that, um, being able to see Raccoon City redone like that on PS3, that, that, yeah, I mean, it did look pretty sweet. You know, the RPD and everything's there, all the streets are and everything. Birkin's Laboratory, I mean, that does look pretty it cool. It is cool. I, when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, I was in class, well, I don't want to say class, but I was at the computer doing work, yeah. and then I'm like, like, not in class, of course, but I'm just like, okay, I'm watching it, and then I'm like, replay. Replay, <laughs> replay. Um, yeah, and like Leon's in it, like Leon, Jill, Carlos, Ada, Claire. uh, Bisc, Hunk, um, like a bunch mm-hmm. of them are in it. And, but the one, the one sad thing I don't like about the game is the DLC, is cause half of the game you have to buy through DLC. Oh, right. <clears throat> which I don't think is right. I don't think it's fair that they locked out the entire, uh, Umbrella security campaign through DLC. I don't think that's fair. Oh, nasty. So yeah, so when you watch the trailer, or at least when I was watching the trailer, and you're like the quote-unquote good guys, like Carlos's side and such, and it's like, why can't I be them in the game? Why am I only Lupo and, and them? It's because they locked in under a DLC wall, which which kind of kind of sucks. 
Yeah, so, definitely. So, yeah, so uh, your favorite is number one. My favorite is Operation Raccoon City. Uh, in the spirit of Halloween, what other horror-type games do you like to play, Mike? Um, oh, dear, that's... um. Well, definitely um, Silent Hill. I'm a massive Silent Hill fan. And um, I do like a bit of Dead Space as well, but Silent Hill is very, very nearly tied. Silent Hill and Resident Evil are very close. I um, I think Resident Evil has kind of gone down a bit in the last few years, so um, Silent Hill has gone up a bit, because even though the last few Silent Hills haven't been um, great by any standard compared to Silent Hill 2, which is the best Silent Hill game in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, it's um they they done pretty well. I enjoyed Downpour. I reviewed that for PSU. That was a solid. That was a really good survival horror game. It's not the combat lets it down a bit. It's a bit fidgety with the combat and movement, but um I enjoyed it. It had a really good story and it was quite creepy as well. And the one before that, Homecoming, that was actually pretty decent as well. I guess a lot of hate that does. I don't know why. I thought it was good. The combat was the combat's actually better in Homecoming than it was in um. Uh, downpour, but there we go. But yeah, Silent Hill one, two, and three. Again, it seems to be the first three games, like the Resident Evil. They're 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 fucking untouchable. They are. They're, they're some of the best games I've ever played. Bar, you know, n- n- you know, not not just counting survival horror. They're great. Um, it's um, they they definitely are scarier than Resident Evil. They um, build up an atmosphere, whereas Resident Evil is more reliant on jump tactics. I mean, it does have the atmosphere, but it's you know, it's more you know, dogs jumping through the window, mm-hmm. tyrants smashing through the wall, blah, blah blah blah. But Silent Hill really creates a um a really palpable sense of dread that it kind of perpetuates throughout the entire game. It doesn't let up because you never really know what's coming. And the sound effects, the industrial sound, um, soundtrack and everything, it's very very unique. It's and, and the sounds that they use. You could just be walking through a corridor. And you'll just be scared, scared shitless just by the sound of something falling off a shelf or whatever, or a smash or a door shutting or something. It's, it's just amazing how effective it is. And this is, you know, this is the first Sonic Hill I'm talking about here as well. I mean, even, even that, despite it's obviously aged visuals, that game mm-hmm. is still, still manages to be creepy. So, yeah, and I, um, I like, I do like Dead Space as well. I mean, it's not along the same, not along the same kind of level as Sonic Hill and Resident Evil, but I think that's, um, that's a solid game in terms of, um, it's you know it's a good horror game, but um, I don't think it's number one was only really the what I call survival horror. The other two were more action um, action horror games, to be honest. But I think a lot of games have gone down that route lately. How about you? What other horror stuff are you into? Uh, well, I did Silent Hill. What I obviously everyone plays Silent Hill. I'm assuming when on the PS1 because of Resident Evil, I couldn't yeah. get into it because I honestly thought that game creeped me the crap out when I was a teenager. <laughs> Uh, yeah. cuz I've never been like a horror type of guy like yeah. like to me there's two types of horror there's like the slasher like Jason Friday the 13th type horror which isn't really scary it's just more supposed to be grotesque and yeah. then there's the more methodical uh what's the word I'm looking for like mental psychological, psychological yeah. thank you psychological yeah. type of of horror that just spooks you out where you think mm. what's going on like Exorcist or um what is that famous movie uh, Blair Witch Project oh, right, okay. right? cuz there's nothing there yeah, yeah. but it's just like yeah, what's yeah, going on right it's just all psychological yeah, yeah that's uh, Silent Hill to a T yeah Silent Hill to me was just psychological like when you're just playing it and then you're walking down the start where you're at, what is it you're in the dark in the alley and then there's those like little baby yeah yeah monster things yeah, i'm like yeah that just freaked me out i'm like nice, i'm not playing nice. this game 
that intro, that intro with Silent Hill 1, oh, that is still so awesome. The way it builds, sorry, I just have to m- mention this a bit. The way it builds up, you know, you start off looking for your daughter in the fog, and it's mm-hmm. foggy, you can't see shit, mainly because of the, <laughs> that's actually used to cover up the, the graphics engine as well, but it's effective. You go along a bit, the music sort of builds up, you go a little bit further, you end up going into an alleyway and you hear a siren going and then you keep going and it gets a little darker and, you know, the music start builds and builds and builds and when you come around, you end up having to um, use, a, I think, a, uh, a lighter or, a, or even a match to light your way because it's so dark and you come across these stretches of rotten bodies and then you keep going and the music really amps up. It's like really pounding now, this industrial thing, and then you just discover this dead body on a fence and stuff and then they attack you, like you said. But it's just brilliant. Yeah. It just builds and builds and builds. It's fantastic. It's crazy. And um what is it? So yeah, I played Silent Hill and then I never got that far because the game freaked me out at the time. Like if I play you it now... I should. If I can yeah. find it on the PS1, I'm not going to... Yeah. Like for cheap, like the CD, I'll get it and, All right. I'll, and I'll replay cool. it again. I've um, got it. <laughs> what else have I played? What's horror? Uh, Corpse Party. I played Corpse Party back in... Uh, what was it? January? I think it was. Uh, uh-huh. I did the review of Corpse Party Book of Shadows. That was another game that freaked me a little out, and I'm 28, or yeah. I was 27 at the time, just because it was a visual novel. So mm. the whole game is, it's not even like a game game, it's just the visual novel port, yeah. and just all of the talking and all of the dialogue and just how minimal the whole game was. Where it's, did you ever play like, uh, Deja Vu on the old I NES? Haven't, no. no, I never played that. But it's like an old, like, old school, like, point and click, where it's just, you just see a screen, and then mm-hmm. it's just like, you point at objects, and then. Oh, it's, yeah, like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Type of about, thing. Yeah. It's, it's basically that same type of game, so it's just still photos of everything. And mm-hmm. it's just so minimal, and then when something pops up, that it's like, holy crap. Uh, it's, it's, it's just very psychological. So I thought that was a really good game, even though it was just a visual novel. But They're effective, I are. They are effective, because like, games like Dead Space, to me, or even Resident Evil now, like they're they're more just slasher-type horrors. Where oh, yeah, they're not, they're not the same at all. Yeah, you know. Resident get, Evil 6 didn't scare me at all. Yeah, you'll get that scare. Like Everyone was scared mm. by the dogs the first time in Resident Evil 1, yeah. and like, okay, yeah. you play it a couple more times, you might still be scared, but now you know it's coming. It's yeah. just like, you know, ho-hum. But yeah. you get... Nemesis is still pretty freaky after me. Even all these years on, Nemesis is probably the, the one that still manages to freak me out because he is he's a bit more randomized and everything, and just the way he is when you fight him, he's very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So uh, And the music as well is great. So I think he's... um Yeah, sorry, carry on, man. Oh, no, no, I was good with that. But uh what's, I guess I'll transition into this of psychological versus slasher is... Yep. Shinji Mikami's Psycho Break, as it's called in Asia, or The Evil Within, yeah, uh, as it'll be called outside of Asia. Uh, that, when I saw the, the trailer for that at TGS, it looked to me like a splice between the slasher action of like old school Resident Evil versus the psychological trauma of A Silent Hill. It does look awesome, doesn't yeah. it? With yes. new age graphics. Yeah, yeah. So, because I have no clue what's going on. I saw the trailer, and I'm like, this is just messed up. You, like, you go into this, I don't even know what it was, a hospital, and yeah. then he escapes, and then suddenly the world's destroyed, is what it looks like. Yeah, like, I, I think the, um, 
I think the premise, actually, in case anyone does know, I think I'm pretty sure you play as a cop, yeah. and his um, partner has been um, killed or something, or he's injured or something, and then like the world, and then you find yourself in this alternate kind of reality where everything, like you said, everything's gone to hell. But even so, they haven't really spoke much about the story, but it it does sound and it does awesome. And it looks awesome as well. The, the the visuals look really, really. They do have a very Silent Hill esque quality to them. They're very mm-hmm. gruesome. You know, the, the, the environments are kind of. Um, you know, already screwed up and rotten and, you know, sort of dilapidated and everything. So that, it does look really promising. Yeah, and they got the chainsaw guy back. Oh, yeah, a, yeah. You can't have a horror game without a chainsaw guy. And apparently I thought that not, was cool. Yeah, apparently not since Resident Evil 4. Everyone's got to have a chainsaw guy in it now. <laughs> yeah. And what what I noticed in the trailer, which I'm curious if it was just because it was like a movie or if they'll implement it in the game is like limb damage because in the trailer your guy gets basically hamstrung by the chainsaw and then he starts limping so i don't i don't know if that if they're gonna if it's like limb damage and it affects you or if it's just oh you took lots of damage and now you're limping like in limping like an evil evil, yeah Yeah. it's a crutch (laughs) yeah that'd be wicked it's funny actually um you talk about limit damage because one of the things when I was like when I was growing up and oh, I think it was around Co-Veronica's release uh, Resident Evil Co-Veronica about 2000 so I was like 16 one of the things that I always wanted was like real time damage on the zombies like you could blow their arms off and blow their legs off and everything because you could do that in the old games but mm-hmm. they kind of censored it going forward and it never came back and then I remember when they made a remake on the GameCube by the way oh the remake oh Jesus whole po- I could do a whole podcast dedicated to that they, um, the graphics still look amazing to this day on that and you can still blow their heads off and you can blow an arm off you can blow their legs mm-hmm. off and everything it's just so bloody gruesome it's great oh it's just so good I hope, I hope you can do that in um, the evil within with the, in terms of the enemies and stuff mm-hmm. that'd be great just make it more grotesque yeah so yeah. why so in your opinion why do you think so many companies now assume that survival horror can't sell because remember EA talking about how they pushed Dead Space to be more action-oriented and Capcom pushed Resident Evil 6 to be more action-oriented because the sales aren't as good or they think the sales won't be as good. So why do you think that? That, oh god, dude, that's a, that's the hundred million dollar question, isn't it, with, um, Sonic, uh, survival horror these days. I, I, ugh, I, I don't know. Okay, look, I don't think survival horror is niche when you compare it mm-hmm. to things like Call of Duty, but at the end of the day, I don't think they should be expecting sales Call of, Call of Duty or whatever. That's not gonna happen. Even, even Dead Space, I mean, Dead Space 3, which had co-op in it and everything, that sold worse than the, um, worse than its predecessors by all accounts. Mm-hmm. So that obviously hasn't paid off for EA. I don't think, I think the notion that um, survival horror can't sell is bullshit. I think if you have a good game, it will sell. And survival horror games are, you know, if you if you know the mechanics are solid, if it is fundamentally a good game, it will sell. And I think on brand alone, a game like Resident Evil, if you took it back to its um its survival horror roots, maybe not the old school cameras and pre-rendered backgrounds, even though I'd love to see how that would look these days. That'd just be mm-hmm. photorealistic. Even, you know, if you take it back to that kind of stuff, that would definitely sell, I think, because you only have to look, again, you have to look at the last few ones. I mean, Resident Evil 4 revamped the series and stuff. Resident Evil 5 sort of continued that and added co-op and stuff, and it did very well. But Resident Evil 6, it started out with a decline because they pushed it further. They tried to make it more mainstream. They tried to cater to everyone and it ended up being a, ma- a jack of all trades and a master of nothing. 
and that and it you know they they actually laid Capcom label Resident Evil Six a failure because it didn't sell as what it still pushed I think four point nine million copies last time I checked but it was mm-hmm. meant to sell seven million so it sold a lot but not as much as they had hoped and you know you could attribute that to maybe Capcom being too um, ambitious with that but either way it but it didn't make make the money they they thought it would but I I really don't think that um, if you ask me I think that people are getting actually tired of having these action shooters passed off as survival horror games. I think actually people want to go back to pure survival horror games now because Call of Duty and games like that, because they are just like, you know, the third-person shooters now with horror elements in it in terms of the, you know, you're fighting against, like, zombies or whatever. So mm-hmm. they are, they're, you know, they are like they function like a standard first-person shooter. It's just the, the element of horror separates from, from your box standard Gears of War or whatever. But I think these days people are getting bored of that. They do want something different, and they do want something, even if it is slightly niche, I do think it will sound definitely. I mean, look at Bioshock. That's not. That is not a main. I, I suppose. I mean, that sounds a lot as well. But the concept of Bioshock and everything, it's very. It's you know. It, you know, but the, the storyline is very idiosyncratic compared to most games. Shoot first-person shooters these days. The, the, the gameplay mechanics aren't exactly. They're not like you know. You've got superpowers and stuff like that. They're not exactly like Call of Duty. And look how well that sells. So I think, you know, I know it's not the same thing, but I do think as long as you're, as long as the game is fundamentally solid in terms of how it plays, I think you could step definitely go for an old school survival horror adventure and it will still do well. Resident Evil Revelations is an old school. That is much more of an old school survival horror game than anything Capcom's put out in the series lately, and that has sold very well. It sold so well they moved it on. They ported it to the PS3 and 360 from the uh, D, uh, 3DS. So I think that proves that people do want those type of games, and I think that if they're trying to dilute things even more, is is it's not going to work because it clearly hasn't with Resident Evil uh, 6 and Dead Space 3. So I think clearly. It's not working, so I think they need to go back and take a look at what people really liked and mm-hmm. go back to that, but still keep it relevant. You can still keep it modern, like the the third person shooter controls. You know, they, they will stay. They won't go back to the old tank controls, even though I have no problem with that. But I know a lot of people would. But they can still tone down the. Um, I don't want to go off tangent here too much, but the key components for any survival horror, you've got it's not a shoot, it's not a blasterphone. You know, you've got mm-hmm. to have careful management of items and weapons and healing items and there should be a lot more uh, the action should be punctuated by a lot more um puzzles and stuff you know rather than just oh taking this key and putting it in this door there's got to be a lot more brain work going on mm-hmm. and i think that's what they need to do but keep the controls modern but still keep the survival horror aspect still raw and undiluted so yeah that's that was quite a long winded answer but that's honestly how i feel i hope that um answered your question <laughs> It did indeed. So I got a separate question to sure. kind of ask you for that is, yeah. do you think they pushed, uh, for this more mainstream, as you put it, mm-hmm. uh, action horror type of game because the cost of making these games is getting so high that they, they think, oh, if they make it like Call of Duty, then we'll recoup the costs. Like, for example, if you look at Resident Evil 6 now yeah. compared to Resident Evil 1, there's voice acting, but there's even, there's like a hundred times more voice acting in Resident Evil 6 than there was Resident Evil 1. The graphics are better, the game is bigger, uh, so do you think they just want to just make money and just give the people something that they'll make the money off of? That's, ooh, that's good. Yeah, I think, well, 
development costs are rising in general, so that's definitely a, definitely a factor. And obviously, with that comes the need to. I mean, look at Tomb Raider. That costs a hell of a lot to make, and even though it sold a hell of a lot of copies, mm-hmm. Square still said it didn't make. Um, it didn't make. You know, it was a failure or something, and it's ridiculous because it sold like four million copies. So, yeah. I think. Um, I definitely think that would be game. Obviously, but, but you know. Resident Evil is a block. Resident Evil Six was a blockbuster in every sense of the word. You know, the production values is obviously the cost that gone into those making that game is vast. So obviously they want to recoup that as much as they can. And I think obviously you know would make it more like Call of Duty. People will flock to it. But again, as I said, that didn't that didn't happen. But I think with survival horror games, you can make something on the on more on more on a budget and strip it down a bit. And I think obviously you less development cost there, and there won't be as much expected back. And that way. They, um, you know, a game like I still think like a game like that can sell very well, and they can turn a profit on that, and they wouldn't have spent as much money with it. And I think mm-hmm. that I think the way they're going with things, and they are pushing the, they're trying to be way. Well, Resident Evil Six, they're trying to be way too much. They're just turned to way too over ambitious and a bit ostentatious, if you ask me. With you know the the you know the whole Michael Bay Hollywood type kind of you know big explosions and you know swearing and you know massive set pieces and all this kind of stuff they need to scale that back more because they're just getting greedy with that and it gets bloated and you know like I said it didn't recoup its costs so that's not doing them any favours at all so I think mm-hmm. a more stripped back approach would work and I think people would be surprised with how that would actually sell but there's no doubt in my mind that the games that they're making like Resident Evil 6 they are way too expensive they really are so do you think that because you a lot of people say they want the game to go back to its roots. Uh-huh. You said you want Resident Evil to go back to its roots. Yeah. Do you think that Resident Evil, kind of like the Final Fantasy series, is just so hated now by the internet that uh-huh. even if it gave them, like the internet and people, what they wanted, go back to the roots, that it's just too late for the series? Um, well, uh, personally, I mean, for me, I think they can still save it, but I think I think Resident Evil. And Mr. Speaking is a fan, a long-term fan. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely they definitely hurt their long-time fans with Resident Evil Six and possibly even Five. I think there's not a lot of faith left. I mean, even I don't have much faith left. But they've proven that they can do that with Resident Evil Revelations, as I said, which is probably the most well-received among the you know the terms you know the hardcore survival horror community or whatever you want to call it. So they can they can do it, um, but I. Th- I think I think they really, really it, whatever Resident Evil Six is. I mean, it's not just the um, the gameplay as well. The story's getting very convoluted and everything. I think honestly, it does need a clean up. It needs a proper reboot, if you ask me. I think I think what they need to do is like it's getting too much like Final Fantasy, and things keep going and mm-hmm. they keep messing things up, and the story's getting more bloated and ridiculous. I think I think what they could do is just strip things back and reboot it, and I think that would install a lot of faith. But they've got to get it right. I really personally, I don't think. Um, I think the next generation version of Resident Evil, which will presumably be the, the next one online, I don't think they'd go to the current consoles. If they do, it would be a cross-gen game. Um, mm. I think if that doesn't really pull out all the stops, then I think they would have um, really run the series into the ground by that point. I think really the next Resident Evil, whatever it is, 7 or a reboot, I think that will be the last chance to know. I think they can do it because they've proven they can with Resident Evil Revelations and even Resident Evil 5's DLC Lost in Nightmares that was short but that proved that they can do an old school kind of survival horror game and um, I think they can do it but I think they've got they really need to nail it this time because I seriously think the series is going to be dead if they don't do it mm-hmm. Yeah. so you, you talked about reboots now mm-hmm. I actually am not a fan of reboots 
in in my opinion. Not I usually, they... yeah, same here as well. Not you, I'm not usually, but sometimes. Uh, I just think sometimes it's no choice. But you know, sorry, carry on, man. Yeah, but I, as I was going to say, I'm not a fan of them because I think it diminishes what was done in the past. Like for example, with well, you know, this is not Halloween, but like the Star Trek movies, they rebooted the whole series. I don't really like the new movies compared to the original universe. Uh, so I, when people talk about, oh, Resident Evil should be rebooted, uh-huh. I'm thinking, why do people, why not just make a brand new game? Because to me, reboot always sounds like, let's remake Resident Evil 1. Which I Redo <laughs> the same game over and over again. Let's redo 1, let's do redo 2, number 3, and, yeah. and so on. So I would rather see a new series. I would rather see a completely different series. Keep the same universe, but change the story. Yeah. Go with a completely different cast, different direction, and be like, for example, they did it with uh, the Survivor games, the Files, Resident Evil. What was it called on the PS2? Files 1, Files well, 2? Out- Resident Evil Outbreak. Outbreak, yeah, Outbreak, yeah. that was it. So, Or do something kind of like that to, to freshen it up. And maybe take away some of the uh, perceived stink of Resident Evil 6 from from the masses. I had no problem with 6 in my opinion. But the masses didn't like it. So go in a different direction. Do like Outbreak 3 and 4. And then have people maybe be like, oh, I want to see Resident Evil 7 now and see what they do with that. Yeah. Um, but that's just that's just my thought on reboots. So uh, to go in a completely diver- different direction now, uh, get away from Resident Evil for a bit. Okay. Uh, PS4 is coming out. Xbox is coming out. PlayStation is loving their indies. They're pushing the indie titles. Yeah. With uh, the advent of all of these different indie companies coming out where anyone basically can make a game now, Steam, PSN, uh, Xbox Live, what do you think the future of horror games will be? Because we just think of it as big blockbuster-type games Mm -hmm. by established companies. But do you think that some random independent company could make the next greatest horror game? I think that's definitely a possibility. Indies, indies are really coming into their own here. They probably won't be known as indie devs for much longer, you know, in probably about four or five years' time. Um, I think I'm pretty sure. I wish I could name them, but I know there are a couple of um, sort of um, indie hits out there, um, horror games that have done actually quite well. But um, uh, oh, I feel bad for not being able to name them. But yeah, um, I definitely think there's going to be some. Um, I reckon a lot of the best horror games over the next couple of years, in the certainly the next five, four, three, four, five years, in terms of PS4 mm-hmm. and everything, are going to be from indie devs. I think those. I reckon those guys are actually probably going to say, "Hey, you know, here's how it's done," and they're actually inspire some of the major companies to follow suit. Because these are the guys, you know, obviously the indie devs and stuff, these are the guys who are, you know, a lot of them obviously probably grew up playing these games like we did, and they're obviously massive, a lot of them are going to be massive fans, and they're going to be taking what inspired them back then and putting their own twist on it. I think, and, you know, like I said, they're coming, they're really coming into their own, and I think that there's going to be a lot of surprises coming up, as well as in other genres as well. I mean, there's been some really great, Indie games popping up over the last mm-hmm. year or so, so I think I think survival horror is definitely going to be um, a, a part of that. It has to be because um, you know it's. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going we're to see a rejuvenation of the um, genre with um, some of these indie games. I, I, I'd, lo- I'd love to see a, like a, a nice, a classic kind of zombie 
indie horror title or something, I would totally mm-hmm. put down some money for that. Definitely, you'd probably get as much fun as um, playing, you know, an old game like you know an indie game like that than you would like a forty-pound um, blockbuster game from Capcom or something. Yeah, because there is that minimalistic aspect that kind of makes things fresh, don't you think? Like, yeah. for example, we did the review. Was it Ben Chili who did the review for Lone Survivor uh, last month? Uh, or yeah, I think a so. few weeks ago. Like yeah, was I ben, wasn't it, was. it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, so, and yeah. and so that's like very minimal, very pixelated type of game. He gave it a nine out of ten, which is a really good score. And that's an indie game right there. And then we have, like, The Walking Dead by Telltale is probably uh, narrative horror at its best, really. And that was the game of the year. That was my game of the year for 2012. I've still yet to play that. I honestly, I want to get it. I am so getting that on my um, Vita now that it's out on Vita over here. Yeah, Yeah, I got that the other day because of the uh, North American PS Plus sale for uh, Halloween. Best best ten dollars are spent. Oh yeah, because it comes it, it comes with the full game plus the uh, four hundred days DLC. Oh, so. awesome! Yeah, the sale. Yeah, you've got you guys. Um, actually, our boss reminded us to mention that the um, horror sale that's now on PSN. Check it out, guys. They actually introduced uh, Resident Evil and The Walking Dead on that the other week. So, um, a couple of days ago. So, make sure you have a look at that. Oh yeah, and if you got PlayStation Plus, the deals are even better. Like Bioshock One, Bioshock Two, they're five dollars each. If you oh, haven't even started that, <laughs> I got and started playing um, Dead Rising Two off the record. That was like seven dollars. Oh, brilliant! So I started playing that, and I've never played a Dead Rising before. That game is fun. Yeah. So, uh, well, I played the first one on the Xbox 360 for like five minutes, but since I never had an Xbox 360, I couldn't really get into the series. Yeah, I, I played the original one. It's, uh, I'm not, um, um, I do like it, but I don't know, I just, the whole tongue-in-cheek thing with zombies just doesn't sit well with me. I just like zombies to be serious and hardcore, not wearing Mega Man hats and smacking them with, like, giant sandwiches and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, the, f- the foam fingers, man, it's fun. <laughs> oh, no, it's just, oh, it is fun, but, you know, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so okay that's actually a good question then i should ask is that considered horror because dead rising isn't really that scary no. it's not really there might be like a small narrative point to it but it's really just fun it's not supposed to scare you no it's, it's not hit things with foam fingers yeah it's it's a horror game because of the content you know it's a, a horrific in the sense of horror it's horrific and it has lots of you know, horrific elements in it, like, you know, decapitations, limbs getting chopped off, blood everywhere, you know, and, you know, obviously the whole zombie theme and stuff, and it's, um, you know, a mature age, but it, no, it's an, you know, it's it's not survival horror at all, it's, um, you know, it's a hot action horror game, it's a fun game, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek, so yeah, a fun game, but not, 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 not in the same category as we've been discussing. But would it even still be horror? Because you say, like, uh-huh. decapitations and zombies and stuff, but you look at Devil May Cry, you look at... That that's the same thing, but that's not really a horror game. I, it's I've just always, more an action game. I've always classed it as a horror action horror game. Devil May Cry. Yeah, I've seen people class it as that. I don't think horror needs to be something that. I think it's just um, yeah. There's a there's not really a black and white area in here. I think there's a lot of shades of grey when it comes to what horror and what isn't. It's I count horror as a theme, kind of thematically, and Devil May Cry. I class it as horror, a light horror, because of what it is, because of the, mm-hmm. the, the, the elements, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like, 
create monsters and you know, you know mm-hmm. different creatures that are in it. And the fact that it's a very, it's a it's a gothic kind of game. It's a, there's a lot of mm-hmm. blood in it and stuff like that. But it is, it, I would say, dead right. Um, like I said, this is <laughs> it's quite hard to class. So I think um, I th- I'd say that Dead Rising is more horror than Devil May Cry simply because of the um, amount of gore and the mm-hmm. level of the violence. Devil May Cry is, is far more stylish, I think. And it's not mm-hmm. like, um, it's definitely not as violent, even though obviously you hack people up with a sword, but you're not like pulling limbs off and blowing heads off and shit like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but, um, that's a, that could be a whole other discussion, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, man, really good discussion so far. So, uh, thank you again, everyone who's listening and, and with the show. PlayStation Universe's Undead podcast <laughs> yeah. this week. Um, as again, I'm your host with the most, Dean Smith, with the muscles from Brussels, Mike Harris. Even though I'm from Reading, but yeah. Even though he's from Reading, <laughs> but uh, well, you're John Claude Van Damme today. Oh. That's your Halloween costume. Is your John Claude Van Damme? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> and uh, somehow I'll I'm Asian it. today. <laughs> somehow I'm the uh, Takeshi Kitano in some kimono today. I'm pulling that off. <laughs> So all those MXE fans, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Um, did you, sorry, no, carry on, dude. Oh no, no, you go ahead. I was just gonna say, um, there's something to um, be um on the subject, when obviously the whole horror thing and stuff. But I think I wanted to give a little nod to um, Siren Blood Curse, which was released on PSN mm-hmm. back in 2008, I think. So it's just over five years old. That um, I think that game. That I'd never played Siren before. I never had an experience. I don't think I even heard of it before then. And I, I thought that was a really good game. Now that, that is definitely survival horror. I don't know if you played that game, but that was a very good. That was a classic survival horror game. I mean, the controls, even down to the controls, they were kind of fidgety and stuff. But the, that was it was a it was a very dark, violent, um, actually quite creepy game. Actually, I mean, you, you, the um, they were zombie-like enemies you fought and stuff. But the, the where it nailed it was the atmosphere. It was pitch black all the time, mostly pouring with rain. You switch between different characters. You're like, um, I think part of this film crew lost in this Japanese village and stuff. And the whole it very, it's very much, um, very much. Um, it's not very, it's not a Western horror game. It's very much, it's very, very uh-huh. obviously because it was made in Japan. So it's um, if you think like um. um like the ring and kind of a or, or the grudge and stuff like that, you know. Um, you know, it's got that very the, the mm-hmm. aesthetics is very very similar, and some of the enemies and stuff. It's very, it's got a very distinctive tone to it. But I, I thought it was really good. It's it's not a there, there is action in it, but you know, you're mostly using you're not blowing them away with shotguns and automatic weapons. You're using like knives and whatever other shit you can pick up. Basically, it's more the, the combat is more aligned with Silent Hill, I'd say, and it's actually quite similar to Silent Hill because there is a siren in it as well, hence the name. So yeah, I don't. Um, that's a good game, guys. I would recommend any, any horror aficionados out there who haven't played it. You can probably pick it up dirt cheap now. So I'd give that a go. Yeah, I'm trying to. I know I have a siren uh-huh. game. I don't know what it is because when I was in Korea, I was at a store and I just saw this game and I'm like, "Well, this looks pretty mm. cool." And now there's no trophy list for it, so it was before trophies, so I don't yeah, remember yeah, yeah. which one it is. So I'm quickly going through my <laughs> CD cases of games Here, open it. <laughs> uh, to, to figure out which one do I have. Oh, pl- uh, I can make it easy for you, Dane. The original Siren games, I think there was about three of them. Um, I'm not an expert on this, so mm-hmm. I apologize if there's any hardcore Siren fans. But I'm pretty sure there was uh, three of them on PS2, and there was the uh, the only one on PS3 has been Siren Bloodcuts, which is like a reimagining of the first Siren game. So if it's a PS3 game, oh, okay. it will be that one. And I don't, 
And there are okay. no trophies for it because and it was released in 2008, and I think trophies came the following year. Yeah, yeah they didn't uh, they didn't repatch yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, I do have the PS3 version. I know that. It's just, I was curious by the name because it was in Asia. Oh, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they do those little yeah. tricks like uh, and stuff, which is... Sometimes fun, sometimes annoying when you're like talking about yeah. a game. Oh uh, yeah, it's right here. They call it new translation. Did I? Oh wow. Uh, yeah, it's the siren new translation. I, uh, I like how they have on the disc for Korea only, for home use only, made in Japan. <laughs> so apparently, I am not allowed to use this outside of Korea, but yet here it is in Canada. <laughs> It'll probably so, explode in a minute. Be careful. <laughs> it, Maybe, or something crazy will happen uh, through playing it, but that's fun. I'll definitely have to check that out, if it's, like, the first yeah. one, because um, the way you were talking about how it's, like, oh, you're, like, a camera crew and, yeah. and, yeah. and stuff, reminded me of this old NES game from on the NES for... Uh, Called Sweet Home. Oh, dude, I think Sweet Home. The title. Sweet, oh, sorry. Uh, Sweet Home is what um they that was one of the first survival horror games ever. That was that inspired yeah. that inspired Resident Evil. That um that influenced Shinji Mikami to make Resident Evil. The whole set in you know a horror game in a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. horror game in a house, like an RPG ish type yeah. of game. Um, because I. Because people are like, man, this game is like awesome and scary, and I, I downloaded it on the uh-huh. emulator because there was a translation for it. Because you're not going to find it without it, except on yeah. the emulator. And I'm like, well, this seems pretty cool. Now I never got that far into it to get to the scary parts, but I could definitely see how uh, it tried to push. Uh, what did, what am I thinking of? Push here? the boundaries. Um, <laughs> push the ba- push the yeah. boundaries of. Of like what a game was back. Oh then. yeah, yeah. Especially when you have to switch between characters and do different things, and you're essentially alone in this house. Because all RPGs back then was like, oh, here's my group of of five guys. Or if you're by yourself, like in Dragon Warrior, you're like this buff knight guy who could hack things, hack Sounds people like too. Game. But this, you're, <laughs> yeah, this is just you're a doctor. Or I think one of the characters is a doctor, or or can heal uh-huh. people, and it's like you're alone. What am I gonna do? My tank isn't with me. I'm, I'm screwed. <laughs> Actually, um, so, so Dane, sorry. Um, speaking of alone, I think it's worth pointing out, but we sh- I think we should mention uh, Alone in mm-hmm. the Dark because it is one of the one of the first modern survival horror games, and actually came before Resident Evil. Have you actually played Alone in the Dark at all? That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> is what. I think I was thinking that was inspired yeah. from Sweet Home because it, I saw that was made by um, not George Lucas but yeah. Lucas Arts, wasn't it? It was one of those old what, Alone games. in the Dark. Yeah, yeah. Alone in I the Dark. It's... Yeah, so that's that's the same one I'm thinking of then. Yeah, because I saw that on a special about Lucas Arts, and I was watching that game. I'm like, man, that looks like Sweet Home, or what they're trying to do with it. Uh, so yeah, Alone in, the original Alone in the Dark I thought was probably a lot better than the PS1 Alone in the Dark, which I thought was the mechanics for it were like broken and not fun at all. I don't know if you. Uh, it's funny PS1 you mention it because I haven't actually played any of the Alone in the Dark games, which is a shame. I jumped straight in with Resident Evil in terms of survival horror, but I, you know, you can see the similarities between them in terms of the camera angles and stuff. Certainly on the latter ones, anyway, and it's. Yeah. Um, I think I would have enjoyed them. 
Yeah, because it was fun, because the original one, yeah, it was LucasArts because it was built like, um, what is it? Monkey right. Island. I think they did. I'm thinking actually, it's the same um, sorry, game. If I'm, I'm actually looking at, I was double checking something here, and it's actually Infograms. Yeah. Infograms. Yeah. Infograms, oh, okay, yeah. so I was wrong. So, to the viewers, I apologize for my lack of old school computer 1992. knowledge. Mm. So, <laughs> 1992. Yep. Uh, so, um, but still, it, it was really heralded as a classic back then, but oh, yeah, yeah. the PS1 version, I just thought was just really, it wasn't fun at all. It just took things to a broken extreme where it's like, I have a candle. My candle is burnt out. Now I'm screwed. Reset. <laughs> I mean, there's just no chance at all. So that was just me. Maybe I just suck at those games. So, uh, yeah, those on the Twitterverse, after you listen to this, you can say, do I suck at uh, video games because I didn't get very far in the PS1 Alone in the Dark? So uh, let us know your comments at PSU.com on Twitter. Yeah, or email at podcast at PSU.com. <laughs> yeah. So, there we go. Speaking of Alone in the Dark, actually, that game, that series has been kind of in limbo for five years. They released Alone in the Dark um, on PS3, and um, I think it was on 360 as well. Yeah, it was on PS3, 360, oh, quite a few formats, PC and mm-hmm. Wii as well. And it was actually looked really, really promising. That was developed by Eden Games, but it didn't do so well in the end, which is a shame because I think um, I think that was a. I really like to see that series come back. Actually, I think they could do it some justice if they get get everything right. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, there was a lot of problems with the the actual fundamental mechanics and stuff. As well, but it's it's a very. I think it is. It was a, a very kind of um, a basic survival horror game. So yeah, I do hope Alone in the Dark comes back at some point. Okay, so as an aside from this, um, during the podcast, like we're taping this before Halloween, yeah, uh, we put out on the Twitter we were asking those in the community what were your uh, favorite scary games, and Cyan Ring C I A N has you know you're the very first one. He has replied Ghost Hunter on the PS2. That is the game that scared him the most. Wow. So yes, Ghost Hunter. And he says, I quote, I quote, in my defense, I was like 10. End quote. <laughs> so, Ghost Hunter. Have you played Ghost Hunter before, Mike? On the I have played Ghost Hunter. No, I haven't. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to look it up on Google because I've, I've never played this game before. So I'm like, what is this game? <laughs> uh, but it looks very over the top, I have to say. Uh, it looks almost Splatterhouse-like. Yeah, it sounds it. I think it, it does ring a bell. I haven't played it, but I have heard of it. Yeah. Any? Do we have any Silent Hill or Resident Evil fans replying? Uh, no, that is the first one so far. So hopefully oh. we get more. Hopefully we'll build up. So, you know, Twitter followers, um, those who listen to the podcast, let us know. We're going to tell you when our podcasts are going to be. So that is your opportunity to get content in on the podcast so you can be a part of the PlayStation Unchained universe. So, yes. uh, Cyan Ring... Everyone who's following, please follow him. Uh, he's the first one, so. Uh, Sounds okay. good to me. Sounds good. All right. Yeah, well, um, one, um, obviously, guys, one um, crucial element in any good um, survival horror game are the enemies. Now, obviously, zombies are a big favorite, but I think we should look um, quickly um, 
uh, cast the spotlight on some of the more uh, some of the iconic foes that we faced in games like Resident Evil and Silent Hill. And I think uh, I think a lot of the people would um, admit that Pyramid Head from Silent Hill Two is definitely one of the the greatest foes. Um, would you agree with that, Dane? If you're not obviously versed on that game, I can I happily um, I, give my spiel on it. <laughs> I would say he's definitely a lot of people's favorites because everyone knows about Pyramid Head, but. Yeah. Sadly, I can't make an informed comment because I've never gotten so far into a Silent Hill game to actually meet him. All right. Well, okay. Well, uh, if you don't mind me just going off, um, <laughs> right ahead. um, fly Pyramid Head, like yeah, a Pyramid Head. Um, he was in Silent Hill Two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in a couple of other games as well, but Silent Hill Two was the main one. That's where it counts. He's basically he's indestructible, and he kind of pops up at various intervals in the game, kind of like Nemesis, but he's not. Unlike Nemesis, who is just like, you know, he carries a bloody rocket launcher and punches you and all this. Um, Pyramid Head is slow and lumber and stuff, but he wields a huge ass knife, mm-hmm. which can kill you in a single hit. And the thing about Pyramid Head is, Pyramid Head is, um, it's kind of like, one of the, one of the things that makes him quite a, I just hate to say it's scary. It sounds like I'm a two-year-old. Scary. What makes Pyramid Head a scary, um, such a scary character is the fact that you don't know what he looks like. Because mm-hmm. he obviously has been, um, the pyramid shaped, um, um, helmet on. And or whatever it is, and so there's a lot of um, ambiguity about him, and you don't quite know what he is or where he comes from, and all this kind of stuff. And that's uh, it's the mystery about the character. Whereas, like obviously, Nemesis and Zombies, you know, you know what they are. You know, you know they're you know experiments gone wrong or right in some case. You know, but Pyramid Head is quite a mystery and stuff. I mean, his origins are he's actually um, officially um, <clears throat> spoilers for a, like a twelve year old game. He's actually um, a result. He's a manifestation. From the town of based on the main protagonist's guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go into that just obviously because you haven't played Silent Hill mm-hmm. 2, Dane, so um, I won't go into that, but he's a manifestation of that based on the town's, I think we because it's been a while since I've delved into the lore, um, on the town's um, executioners from way back when. Mm-hmm. And so they take on that persona with the long kind of cloaks and the spears and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But that's, yeah, but he's, um, it's, um, it's, I mean, you can run away from him quite easily enough, but he's, he's just, just the way he moves, the fact that you don't know, know what he looks like underneath and everything. And not just that, but the things you see him doing. I mean, it's, um, I think there's been a lot of debate on this, but you actually come across him with, um, molesting other bad, other, other enemies. It certainly looks like he is, um, molesting them because he's, um, Basically, because um, some of the, a lot of the enemies um, are quite feminine, mm-hmm. and there's these one, one enemy called the mannequins, and instead of having obviously the lower half and the top half, they're, they're actually comprised of two lower halves, so two sets of legs, and he's basically got one in a very uh, well. There's a lot of moaning involved, and he's got his <laughs> his face. He's it basically looks like he's doing them from behind. If okay. you just want, I can't put it any other way. It's incredibly freaky, and when you go into the room for the first time seeing that, you're just like, "What the hell is going on here? What have I stumbled mm-hmm. into?" And he comes for you. So there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with him. He's just very, very unique. That's the thing I love about him, and I think that's what other people think. He's not. I don't think his strengths lie in the fact that he's. Oh my god, he's got a giant knife and all this, and you can't kill him. It's, it's a much more psychological element with him in head. He's very ambiguous. He's very, you know, it's just he's. He's, it's, it's, he has such a presence about him, and obviously the whole monster rape thing or whatever mm-hmm. he's doing is very queer too. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, Pyramid Head. He's in the movie as well, um, and he cropped up in Silent Hill: Homecoming, but he doesn't have the same impact because of the storyline. It's um, the thing about Pyramid Head is in Silent Hill 2, he's intri- intrinsically linked to the main protagonist and his story, and without that, he loses some of his um, appeal, even though he does look great. But yeah, Silent Hill 2, that's the game to go for in terms of Pyramid Head. 
That's a good one. Um, I'm going to yep. go completely <clears throat> off the chart. I'm going to mention a character that probably not a people even know about, probably from a very underrated horror game series. Okay. We never even talked about this one. I'm going to go with Scissor Man. From oh, Clock I was Tower. so happy when you say that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Clock Tower, so, man. Yep, yeah, Clock Tower, because... That game is probably the quintessential psychological horror game because it's like the game is the definition of survival horror. You can't attack anyone. Mm. You have to run away. You have to hide. And if you don't hide well, well, you're going to get shanked by a scissor so <laughs> or something depending on the game. So and what's interesting is I'm Googling this as I'm, as I'm talking and I'm, I'm looking at images from the Super Famicom version. And it seems like, like it just makes the game look that much more scary and that much more intense compared to the PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation 2 versions. Yeah, I didn't realize there was a, I completely forgot there was a Super Nintendo version. Yeah, well, there was, it was a Super Famicom version. It wasn't released outside Japan. Oh, Famicom, Uh, yeah. (laughs) So at least that's what Wikipedia says. I mean, it could be wrong. Because I'm looking at it, the Google image, and it's like, (laughs) there's English, so maybe there's a port. On the uh, on an emulator, but just the minimalistic aspect of it, I think pushes that psychological horror. And I think what I think you, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, crap, I lost my train of thought. Oh, don't you hate it when that happens? I do hate it. That uh, oh yeah, I I think that it's a lot easier to fear something when you know you can't kill it. Because, like, Nemesis, well, you can kill Nemesis. Uh, Tyrant, you can kill Tyrant. Zombies, you can kill zombies, right? Yeah. They're a bit scary, but you can't kill Scissor Man. Same with Pyramid Head. Yeah, so it's just going to keep on coming and coming. It's like, you know, it's like you're running, right? And something's behind you, but you can't look back. And so you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So it's just, when's he coming? And can I hide quick enough for it? So... Uh, definitely. So, Pyramid and Scissorhead, let us know at, uh, at PSU.com. <laughs> Pyramid at <Twitter>. and Scissorhead. <laughs> right. What is your, this is, this is our showdown. Who is the scariest? Who would win in a oh, battle yes. to the death between oh, yeah. Pyramid Head and Scissor Man? Oh, that is a damn epic fight because they're both right. using like sharp tools. Pyramid Head's got a giant knife and Scissor Man's got a giant pair of scissors. Yeah. So who would win, guys? Who would who win would between? Win? Yeah, and I might crash. Who would tweet it? Tweet, uh, just vote. You can give us a reason. You don't have to give us a reason. So, uh, vote at our email at psu.com. Uh, what is it? Podcast at psu.com? Yeah, podcast at psu.com. And at Twitter, so at psudotcom. Yeah. And the next UK podcast, uh, are you hosting or is it Chili who's hosting? Um, we should be, uh, well, at the time that we recorded this, we have yet to do, uh, this week's podcast. So it depends on whether the US team will be doing that next or not. So, but the next podcast should be, um, that would be early, that would be the, I think the first of the second of November. That podcast should hopefully be recorded mm-hmm. by the UK team, but I won't okay. be hosting because I've had my two weeks. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just say during the next UK podcast, we will let you know the results of what happens. So yes, we will. Um, so apologies, Chili, that I'm giving you some homework to do. <laughs> so if you're the host, so whoever's the yeah. host will let you know who wins the epic showdown between Pyramid Head and Scissor Man in a popularity contest. <laughs> it's just as well we didn't say Nemesis and someone else. 
Nemesis would just win because he'd just bring out his rocket launcher and blow them the fuck up. <laughs> the rocket launcher, it always wins. The rocket launcher <laughs> always wins. So, um, Mike, that's all the time we got. Our hour is up. So any yeah. last words you'd like to say before we sign off? Um, and hopefully still live past this podcast. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, and just, just keeping in with the theme and stuff, I really hope that Capcom sort themselves out with Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that, and Silent, um, I really, um, I'm still into Silent Hill a lot. I really would love to play. I, I really need to go back and play some of those games again. I've just talking about all this has really got me in the mood for that. So I'm really, yeah, I, uh, I just hope that my two favorite series series don't go downhill going into next gen. I really, really, because next gen can seriously bring about some amazing content with with those series. So I just hope that Konami and Capcom don't muck things up because I'm really, really looking forward to what they can bring out because the, the visual step is amazing. So, um, but yeah, apart from that, I'd like to just give a shout out to the whole PSU crew. Um, we're going to be going forward with PS4, obviously, and it's going to be really, it's going to be an exciting couple of months with the launch period. So stick with us, guys, you know. That's obviously off the horror topic. We're talking general here. But um, yeah, that's as far as I'm going, guys. I'm, I'm not shouting out for anything else. Uh, how about you, Dane? Oh, I just want to give a shout out to all the fans and all the viewers of the show. Thank you yeah. for listening. Uh, I hope that you had a very safe Halloween. I <laughs> uh, hope you had a great party, lots of candy, lots of trick-or-treating. Had an awesome time. And thank you for listening to this podcast during oh, thank Halloween you, Dan. celebration. Sorry, I say thank you as well, because that was awesome. <laughs> Oh, I thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's lots of things. There's too much thankfulness for yeah. this. It's Halloween. It's supposed to be scary. and uh, There's too much love. It's not yeah. the Valentine's yeah, Day podcast we, yet. We, no, it's not. But let's face it. We've been wanting to do this, have a good old chinwag, as us Fritz say, about resin uh-huh. and all that stuff for a long last time. So That is true. So we got it We got it out of our system. Yeah, we could literally go on another hour or two, just so you guys know. But we, we're, uh, we don't want to give Richard, our editor, um, a headache. Or a fit. Keeping it to an hour. <laughs> yeah, this is like, man, these guys are so boring. Why do I have to listen to these guys for another hour? <laughs> All right. So uh, that's the end of the show. So thank you again for listening, everyone. Yeah. Uh, for the muscles from Brussels, Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> Play tonight. Games. Play lots of horror right. games. On the Play lots of horror games. A whole Resident Evil marathon on a Halloween. Someone's got to do it. Or a whole Silent Hill marathon, guys. Someone's got to do it, seriously. <laughs> Someone's going to do it. So for... Jean-Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels. I am your host with the most, Takeshi Kitano, live from Japan at the MXC (laughs) Arena. Thank you very much, and uh, stay classy, Internet. We'll see you next time. See you later, guys.